Can I learn to tell stories? Well, three years ago, if someone had asked me that question, I would have said, no way. Now I say, hell yes. And of course, I'm training everybody how to do it. I talk about storytelling all the time. So what changed? I learned a technique. And the technique works great for the stories I need to tell about product management, like customer success stories, and for my own stories about my own, usually, work accomplishments. But if there's a storytelling strength, well, I definitely don't have it. I never told stories before I learned this framework. It wasn't natural for me at all to tell stories, to think in terms of stories. So I had to learn it. You know, I think that if there is a storytelling strength, well, I, as I say, I don't have it, but I think some people are naturally better at telling stories about anything that happens. That was certainly true of my wife's family. They were really good at telling stories about everything. It's not me. So the point is, I do not have the strength of being a storyteller, but I have learned how to tell stories, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode number 84 of The Secrets of Product Management. And you might be saying to yourself, but wait, isn't this all the responsibility, none of the authority, the podcast for product managers and innovators, blah, blah, blah. And you are correct, actually. I'm just changing the name. It's the same podcast. It's a new name, a little bit of fresh branding. Why am I doing this? Well, so I had a thought. If someone were searching for a podcast about product management, what might they type into a search engine? And the words product management podcast came to mind as maybe a good answer to that question. And all the responsibility is not really a good answer to that question. So basically, the new name pretty much says what the podcast is about. It's as simple as that. It's about product management and what I think are some secrets. And it sort of harkens back to the name of my book, which, as you know, is called The Secret Product Manager Handbook. So you're listening to The Secrets of Product Management, formerly known as All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. This is episode number 84. The show notes are available at secretsofpm.com slash 84 and they are also available at alltheresponsibility.com slash 84. Both those domains will continue to point to the podcast information. So I've done episodes recently about strengths in the technical sense of the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment, and I've talked a lot about that and how to make use of those. But what if you don't have a strength that you need? Like for me in storytelling, I figured out that I needed to learn how to tell stories, and I found out how to do it. How does skill come into this? Maybe you don't have a strength, but maybe you can build up a skill. And when you think of it, why do mental models and metaphors work so well to help us become more effective, even if they're about things that are outside of our strengths? We're going to talk about that in this episode. Quickly, though, since we're talking about storytelling, I did want to remind you that I have a free short online course on how to tell your own stories. These are the stories you use when you're answering questions in a job interview, like tell me about a time you were creative or tell me how you handle working with difficult people. You can sign up for that free course at alltheresponsibility.com slash stories. Secretsofpm.com slash stories will also work. I will also be leading a short boot camp on April 17th and 18th, which is a Saturday and Sunday, where I work directly with you and a small group of other students to coach you through applying this framework in that online course to one of your actual stories. So that's me working with you to coach you through taking the stuff I train you about how to tell stories, and actually applying it. And it turns out that it's a lot easier to do it when you have a coach working with you. So that's available. To sign up for the course, go to alltheresponsibility.com slash bootcamp. There's a discount if you sign up before April 10th. And links to both the online course and the bootcamp are going to be in the show notes for this episode, which is at secretsofpm.com slash 84. So let's get going. My storytelling story, in other words where I don't have that strength 
but I learned how to tell stories anyway, is kind of one dimension of what I want to talk about. But let's look at another example, one that is based off of an actual strength I do have, which is my positivity strength. So I've talked about this before. If you take the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment, it gives you a list of your top strengths. Positivity is one of my top, top strengths. And that means I'm basically see the bright side of everything. It's not exactly what it means, but you can think of it like that. I hardly ever meet anyone who is as positive as I am. But can I help you become more positive even if you don't have that strength? And the answer is yes. And how do I do that? I do that by giving you some mental models. Now, the mental models can kind of take it out of the intrinsic, which it is for me. Intrinsically, I'm a positive person, and I don't necessarily use mental models. And it takes the act of being positive out of the intrinsic, which is where it is for me, into kind of the rational so that you can use your mental brain to apply it rationally. So you can choose to apply the mental models that kind of make you more positive. So can my mental models for being positive prevent you from being a cranky person? Well, it's up to you, and sometimes not, but a lot of times, yes. And I have a friend, actually, who just mentioned this to me, and this is what gave me the idea for this podcast episode. She mentioned that she always remembered this piece of advice I gave her when I was talking to a customer that was unhappy. She was a colleague, and we would often get on these phone calls with customers who were unhappy. And I told her that one mental model that I kind of think about is that if they're unhappy, they're probably suffering in some way that's not my deal. It's not my necessarily my issue, and I can feel sympathy for them and empathy for them about their suffering. And so I don't take it personally that they're upset. And she said that she uses that mental model a lot. And I thought, well, that's really interesting that this thing that's sort of natural to me, and, and the fact is that I have come up with some explanations of how I do it, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but that it is working for somebody else who doesn't have that intrinsic sense of positivity that I have. So I just bring that, and I think it's kind of interesting. So it started to make me think about workarounds and how you can set your world up so that if you don't have a particular strength, you can still get things done that might require that strength. And I think about workarounds, maybe there's a better word. The term jig actually is really cool. The, I like this term. I'm a wood, I do woodworking, and so I'm always doing making jigs when I need to do woodworking. It's a device that holds a piece of work and guides the tools operating on it. That's a dictionary definition of a jig. So if you think about it, a jig can almost always be interpreted as an augmentation to a human weakness, maybe even a literal lack of strength, you know, such as holding a heavy piece of metal in place when you weld it together to another piece of metal or something like that. So jigs are kind of the mental model I have for some of these types of workarounds. You can also think of it as a mitigation or generally I like this term augmentations or to augment yourself augmenting yourself in an area where you maybe aren't as strong, but to make yourself have a more strength. And you can think of, you know, even things like those exoskeletons that they're always developing, uh, the robotics people, to help people who are maybe disabled to walk or to help soldiers carry bigger weights or things like that. And so those are the types of things that, that I think about when I think about, well, what do I do about things where I'm not strong? So what are some good augmentations that you can use and that are relatively easy to use. Well, one of those is mental models. Now, I've also done some podcast episodes about mental models. I'll put some links to those in the show notes as well. But for example, the whole storytelling 
thing that I teach is based on a mental model of a customer success story or a mental model of your own success story. There's also things like, well, I mentioned my positivity mental model. They're having a bad day or they're suffering. Or to help overcome imposter syndrome, for example, I often use this kind of mental model of, well, I'm not so different from everyone else. Everyone is the same in a lot of ways. And if I'm feeling like an imposter, probably everybody else is feeling like an imposter, which means maybe we're all wrong about being an imposter and we're just normal. We're just human beings. So other types of tools that can help you in this way are things like frameworks and metaphors. Metaphors are great for building up a strength in an area which you don't really have, but metaphors are kind of like mental models in that way. So I have both a mental model for customer success stories, and I kind of have a framework for how to develop a customer success story that's really effective. Let's compare those to your strengths. So you're definitely stronger in your strengths, and oftentimes your strengths are just intrinsic and you can't help it. And you may not understand how you have that strength, right? They come so naturally to you. And you can think about it, if you were a natural storyteller, or if I were a natural storyteller, my approach to stories would be very different. First of all, I wouldn't be limited to just customer success stories and my own success stories using this framework that I have. I'd be able to tell all kinds of different stories. I wouldn't have to constantly think problem, solution, transformation. The story structure might come into my mind automatically. I might have automatically ways to make the story better. I might be able to write stories about things that aren't really concrete, like customer success stories. Like I might be able to write a fiction story without without a framework. At the moment, I have no ideas of how to write a fiction, a fiction story. I don't think I could do it. Or I might be able to turn something more mundane into an engaging story. One of the things I talk about in my teaching customer success stories is you have to focus on there's a problem we're solving. And that's true of many, many fiction stories as well, that there's fundamentally a problem we're solving, but a lot of great fiction is about mundane things. And my storytelling structure won't work for mundane things. You know, my model depends on the story not being mundane. The flip side of that is that strengths, because of this, are very difficult to teach. You know, if I were a natural storyteller, I might have a really hard time teaching you to tell a story because I wouldn't have that framework. I wouldn't need to use it, and so I wouldn't have it. It's kind of like the curse of knowledge, or even worse, the curse of knowledge I don't even know I have or how I got. The way I'd learn to teach storytelling, if I had the strength, the most important thing for me would be to learn how others fail at storytelling, those who don't have that strength, right? Now, I might be able to provide some insights because of the way that I think about stories. But if I can't get people over that initial hump of sort of understanding a framework or something, which I don't have to do, so I have to learn that, I'm probably going to fail as a teacher. One of the things that will happen is my students' failures initially probably won't make much sense to me because there are ways that I, I can't fail because I have the strength. But if I studied the situation, if I studied storytelling, if I studied how people learn storytelling, how people fail, I might start to understand how they get stuck on something that's natural to me. And then I might start developing mental models to guide them into thinking or processing more like I do. The other side of that, of course, is that my strength, for example, in positivity doesn't depend on mental models. I don't really necessarily use them. The mental models I share are more of a way to provide an explanation for people who sort of just don't get it. You know, I still like the mental models, though. Partly, I'm, I'm not totally sure why I like them, but in, partly it's because I value rationality, so I want an explanation. And partly it's so that I can share my positivity with other people. It's a tool that I use to share my positivity with other people, which is the mental models for people that don't naturally have it. 
you know, if you think about machine learning, we have all the time these situations where the machine learning model comes up with the right answer based on looking at lots and lots of, of examples and then trying figuring out what those examples have in common. But we don't know how it does that. We don't really understand the algorithm. We don't know why it has the right answer. That does disturb us, and it should disturb us. And in some sense, that algorithm has developed a strength. It's essentially got an intrinsic strength, but it can't explain that how it got that strength. And that also means that that strength can't necessarily be taught, and it can't necessarily be trusted, right? That's one of the problems with we're seeing with machine learning right now. There's a lesson for coaching and training in all this. So a coach can't coach you on their strength unless they've analyzed it enough to create useful mental models. Now, not all mental models are actually useful, of course. You can create a mental model that doesn't actually work for people. But bringing this back to high tech, where you and I probably live, I would say that we see this strongly in Agile and Scrum, to be honest, that people created mental models around Agile and Scrum. The people who created Scrum, in particular, were naturally gifted with strengths that made software development fast and correct. And they tried to explain how they did that, and they got some things right and they got some things wrong. That is, the mental models they used to train others had some problems, and I think we can learn something from that. I try to always have three things you can start doing today to apply the ideas in this episode. I don't really have three specific things, but I do recommend checking on your mental models and reviewing lists of mental models that might be applicable to your situation, especially where you might need augmenting. To help you out with that, I'll put links in the show notes to a couple of good blog posts about useful mental models. That's at, again, secretsofpm.com slash 84 or alltheresponsibility.com slash 84. And I also will put links to a, a number of these other podcasts that I've talked about on storytelling, on mental models, on using metaphors, on all these different types of ways to approach solving problems as a product manager. And I think those will all help you. But I think that this episode is really about how to think about some of these things in the context of, well, I've got some strengths, but that means I've also got some areas where I'm weak. What do I do about those? So hopefully this was an interesting view of strengths versus the tools that we use to help us overcome strengths, the jigs and augments. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this idea and whether it's valuable to you. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about strengths in general, if you've, if you've taken the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment, if you found that it was valuable for you, if, if it helped you understand yourself at all, or if you maybe even have some questions about how to apply what you've learned in that Clifton Strengths Finder assessment, I'd love to talk to you about that. It's something that's really interesting to me. I think I've found it to be really powerful, particularly when I got a little help in understanding what my strengths meant. That was very powerful. I do want to remind you again about the storytelling online course and the storytelling bootcamp that's coming up April 17th and 18th. So for more information on those, go to the show notes and there'll be links. Or you can go to secretsofpm slash stories or secretsofpm slash bootcamp to get more information. So this has been episode 84 of The Secrets of PM, formerly known as All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, the podcast for product managers and innovators and all that. This is Nels Davis. Until next time. Bye-bye.